This is BTS with CTV Behind the Scenes, Behind the Stories we bring you from the CTV Vancouver Newsroom. My name is Penny Dalflis, and I'm here to take you behind the curtain to what it's like to cover a snowstorm in Metro Vancouver. And I'm going to tell you that right now I am on the side of 264th Street with uh, Adnan Hussein. We have just finished a live report for CTV News at 6 on Monday, February the 11th. It's uh, 6.13 right now. We've finally gotten inside. Adnan, I can still barely feel my toes. How are you doing thus far? My hands are totally frozen. You know, leaving all that equipment outside, it gets extremely cold. And when it's time to handle all that equipment, your hands completely freeze. And just so that people understand, I mean, you see me on the air for maybe a minute, uh, sometimes up to two minutes, but our control room expects us to be in position 15 minutes before the show starts because that's when they have time to uh, check in with us to make sure that our earpieces are working, that our microphone is uh, at appropriate levels, the framing, everything that they want to get absolutely right so we can easily be outside for 20 minutes uh, in conditions like this. Right now, the truck is showing uh, minus two degrees, and that's without the wind chill. And the reason they sent us here, of course, is because of the blowing snow. Um, so, Adnan, were you doing anything special to take care of the equipment, or, or what was in your mind as you were setting up for this live hit tonight? My biggest concern was if it starts snowing, uh, then the equipment uh, has to be protected. Uh, we have to cover the lights, uh, make sure the camera does not get any snow on it, but because, of course, once the snow melts, it's water. And that's going to find its way into the equipment and eventually corrode the equipment. Uh, our biggest concern at times is not our safety but the equipment safety especially when it comes to moisture as opposed to traffic or people of course then it's a different dynamic altogether and just to be clear we are always uh, safe but in this case what adnan was referring to is uh, being on the side of 264th here what we actually did is uh, we set our up our live hit um so that the truck, this uh, SUV that we always use, uh, was between us and the traffic. But what that also meant is that it was shielding the equipment from the wind and the snow. So it was a bit of a windbreak for us. Uh, but I still got plenty of wind in my face, as people could see on the air. Sometimes it was hard to breathe when the gust got in there. But um, Adnan, I was really interested that you weren't just pointing the light at me in order to light me up at night, because of course it gets uh, quite dark by about 5 p.m. What was your technique in order to light me up uh, in uh, the middle of such a dark space well i got really lucky with uh, all the snow on the ground i had a natural reflector so what i did was i um, pointed the bulk of the light into the snow so there was a little bit of light that was catching you creating a shadow on one side of course and then uh, the light reflecting off the snow created what we call fill light to lighten the shadows so i essentially ended up using two light sources with a single light and that's what I find fascinating about shooting in the snow is that it can be a real challenge because it can cause overexposure because there's so much light around, but it really can help us in the evening in a setting like this where you do need that extra light uh, just to be able to illuminate the subject because how many lights can you set up, especially when it's so windy? I mean, you had one hand on that light, even though it was staked into a foot and a half of snow, like it, th those wind gusts. I mean, it's serious conditions out here. Exactly, and you can't quite leave extra lights outside, um, especially with the amount of snow that the snowplows have uh, actually piled up on the side of the road. I was quite surprised when I set up my tripod, about two feet of it just disappeared in the snow. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, so uh, unusual conditions for us here on the West Coast to deal with, but we've all uh, found ways of adapting. Uh, we're all dressed in layers. Uh, that seems to be how we're getting uh, through this. But it's also uh, because much of the snow that we encounter here is wet snow. So I'm typically thinking of, I usually wear a rain jacket with a bunch of layers underneath so that I know that I can stay dry. Uh, in this case, I was definitely dressing for warmth because, um, you know, this cold, nothing's been melting. And uh, you really need those layers because, you know, 15, 20 minutes outside at a time easily, uh, it cuts through. You feel that. I'm wearing thermal tights and it's like there was nothing there. It's, it's really cold. It's a challenge in our business. Uh, this afternoon, I was sent to um, the office of Jagmeet Singh, the NDP leader. And of course, it's warm inside. So you're going from that warm, warm indoor 18, 20 degree, and you're, you know, hauling equipment in there, so you're sweating a little, to the sub-zero temperature and where the wind is howling. So layering is the, tr- is the trick. So you just layer up, layer down, depending on um, how hot or cold it gets. Through the magic of podcast editing, I am now with uh, Peter Bremner at 6.18 on Tuesday. And uh, you and I have spent the day in Abbotsford today, where the blowing snow has been nothing short of painful. It is a good spot if you need your reporter to look like they're, they're really in pain. And I, I have been today. Well, this today, this this afternoon for the uh, live hits during the shows I was. But earlier today, I kind of just sat in the truck and did research while you were out gathering the visuals that we needed for our story today. There was one one reporter I once worked with, and and I remember covering a snow thing and I'm traipsing through the snow, and he's getting out with me. And I looked at him, I was like, "Why? Like, why are you with me? Like, go sit in the truck and stay warm." His, his response was that if he was out there, or if I was out there freezing my butt off for the story, he had to be out there freezing his butt off for the story. I totally don't expect that anymore, because I know the reporter has to stand out there in, in the worst wind and try to look good on TV and explain the story. I'm happy to, you stay here, stay warm, as long as one of us isn't miserable, we're okay. And that's why you're one of my favorites. <laughs> No, but it is it is kind of like taking turns because you do um, kind of bite the bullet earlier in the day. And I have to say, I know that you've shot in inclement weather before. Um, you've, uh, you're have you a maritimer. You've been shooting most of the day just in a, a Batman t-shirt and a rolled up flannel shirt thrown over top just for the uh, podcast listeners <laughs> to have a visual here. Um, but you, it, I think it takes a certain skill set. It's a combination of, of talent and skill, I should say, uh, to be able to show blowing snow because it's white on white. Uh, it's it's tough on the eyes when you're out there trying to do what you do. So so what's kind of your technique to be able to show the viewer what's actually happening out there in such difficult conditions? Yeah, it can actually be really hard to... We can see things better than the camera can. So, for example, one of the things I did today, I needed to get the, the snow blowing off the Sumas Prairie and, and show the wind. So I found a spot that actually had um, like brush and trees and, and small plant vegetation that is just bending and blowing with the wind and you can and see the snow. The other thing to really watch out for actually is to not uh, overexpose your shots or even, uh, you know, the limit where we normally expose our shots. I like to dial it back even a, a a stop or two and that gets you that that real detail and you can see the snow blowing it's also good it's white snow so if i can find a bit of a darker background sometimes that can help illustrate how much snow is actually coming down and and um and and show the way it moves as well 
And I, I think one of the best shots in our, our story from today, and I'll put a, a link to it on, on our uh, podcast page as well, uh, it's the shot that I wanted to start the story with, which is a semi-truck going incredibly slowly down a road. Uh, it's almost head-on. It's at a bit of an angle to the camera. And that wall of snow is just blowing across it. And uh, and I think I love that shot so much because it's that combination of darkness behind it. You see how slowly it's moving, and you just really get a sense of the conditions, just how severe they are. Because some people on Twitter, you know, they see our footage, and they're like, oh, that's not very much snow. Well, it's not the amount of snow out here that has made this story newsworthy. It's been the blowing snow, and it is, it's painful out there. Even when you don't see a lot of snow, there's little ice shards. Uh, these are brutal conditions. It's not fun to, to try and drive in this stuff. I've, I've been working in this industry. I've been driving in this for more than 20 years now, so I've seen just about the worst of it. Um, but if you're uh, one of the things I'm learning uh, from West Coasters, they are not used to this. So for them, it's very treacherous. They don't have the experience. And even the, the stuff that blows around that, that catches you a little bit and, and twists you can really be, be alarming and, and scary for, for drivers out here. And that's also what makes it newsworthy. I mean, sometimes it's not the accumulations. It's the it's a combination of unusual conditions for an area and then how people are going to react to them. Because you're right, drivers on the West Coast are not usually used to these conditions. Here in, in Abbotsford, Sumas Prairie, Masqui Prairie area, they're a little bit more used to it. But as more people do the high cost of housing, more people are moving to this area. And I feel like every year there are people living out here commuting through these conditions who've never done it before. And there is an unfamiliar factor. I mean, driving from Surrey to our Simon out here in Abbotsford, how many cars did you count that had spun out from the highway into ditches and shoulders? There was a lot of them. In the in the first part of our day, I counted eight, and then we continued on a little further. We picked up three more in, in what was roughly a 10-minute drive. Uh, I've covered the valley for a couple of years now. I remember two years ago, there was an area very close to where we are now. I described it as a, as a car graveyard. There were mm-hmm six cars in I could you know just in looking around in the area I was in I could see three in the ditch next to me there was another one across the road in the median and there were two more uh, elsewhere in the in, that I could actually see at one point now these conditions I mean for myself <clears throat> being born and raised on the west coast my journalism career has always been in in metro Vancouver this is you know about as bad as it gets we, we've seen it a little bit worse than this I would say but you've seen some severe conditions how bad have you seen it because I've heard some horror stories from other Canadian journos who've who've had some pretty <laughs> horrendous uh, luck out in the field with the with the cold and the and the and the ice and the snow um, geez, that's that's the loaded question, Penny. I have I've lived through probably the some of the worst ones. Uh, you know what they call a storm here? I call it Tuesday back home. It's um, we would literally get twenty centimeters every Wednesday. Or um, I I worked through uh, Hurricane Juan, and then we had this massive blizzard hit the East Coast that we called White Juan, and that thing dumped. Um, more than a meter of snow and, and it, that shut down a city uh, for, for many days and that's the one where people didn't have power and you would really see the communities start to come together and, and offer help to each other that's probably one of my favorite things about covering um, snow stories is seeing the help it's seeing the, uh, you know, the three people band together and push a car that's stuck out of the snow or it's, it's the, the young people that go out and help their elderly neighbors, neighbors shovel their snow. So, Because where I grew up, we, have, we call it heart attack snow. It's mm-hmm. so heavy and so wet that literally every year elderly people die trying to shovel it. 
Well, and you and I, just are thinking of it now, uh, we were out in Chilliwack a couple of years ago. There was a big ice storm. And I remember that people there, uh, that you, you got a lot of that sense of community because uh, people's uh, roofs, their balconies were encased in ice and they were doing what they could to try to clear it because it was a couple of inches worth easily. And so the weight, uh, there was one lady too, I remember that we were streeting her, we were talking to her in her driveway and we started hearing some cracking sounds and she was telling us to run because ice was just starting to melt and fall off in chunks from the branches above her home. That, that was insane. Also from the power lines, and I remember we went right next door and and you could hear the cracking again. We got a great shot. I basically just set up the camera and waited because I knew it was coming where the, the ice, um, just the weight of it just took the tree down. It took the old big branches off. Um, and that, that sounded like lightning. I vividly remember that. It sounded like a crack of lightning, but it was a tree splitting in half from the ice. Yeah, it was It was a good one. And, and that's one of the things where I've, I've lived through uh, quite a few ice storms before. Uh, so I, I kind of know, like, uh, if I can start hearing that, basically just lock myself off a nice wide shot, it's going to happen, and at least give it a try. Um, some of the other, I'm trying to think of some of the other uh, snow stories. Uh, early in my career, I remember I grew up in uh, sort of outside the city, and, and we would get a ton of snow. We wouldn't get plowed out for, for a couple of days, but my boss called me and said, hey, we, we really need someone to come into work today you're the only person we can get a hold of and this is in halifax this is yeah so i was working in halifax i, I was living in an area called Tantalons, but uh on a good day it's about a half hour drive we were in the subdivision i grew up in the street hadn't been plowed we had just finished shoveling you know shoveling our driveway for more than an hour and i i got in the vehicle and tried to drive and it, it took me about an hour and a half and I finally made it to work and only to turn around and have to go back out to my neighborhood to cover the snowstorm that had hit us already um, but you know you drive in a van with no winter tires or you drive in a car with winter tires I've driven in everything kind of in, in all the situations so uh, I've, I've learned how to get unstuck pretty quick well, and in, I think no matter where you are, when it's unusual weather for what that is, you kind of have to adapt to what's going to happen. I mean, it could have ended up here in Abbotsford where we are today on Sumas Prairie that it would have been a huge dump of snow, maybe not as much wind. It, it turned out to be the opposite. But we that's one of the things about when we get our assignment in the morning. Uh, you know, they say, actually, our assignment editor, Phil Sedlicek, this morning said to me, uh, you're a valley girl today. You're going to be out in the valley. And I said, okay, what would you like the focus to be? And he says, I don't know, just go out there and, and you tell me. And I really appreciate when our assignment editors just say, you know, go see what you find. We trust you to figure out um, what your story is going to be today, because sometimes it is just dependent on what you stumble on or, or what comes up at noon, as opposed to when we're getting assigned at nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah, there's definitely been some times where we come out and, and the desk has given us an assignment and it almost feels like you're trying to make the story what they think it is. And then you call back and say, here's what's actually happening. And I've got some great footage. Uh, we've got some great clips. And we can make a better pack than, than what you had initially wanted. And the desk is always happy when that happens. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's one of the things you kind of have to do in this case is explore. And we just have to be prepared for, for everything. I, I try to keep some supplies in the truck. And, and you really have to be able to, to field fix anything because... The other problem with covering snowstorms is how slow everything is. Um, I remember a couple of years ago covering a story, and the reporter I was with wanted to go to to Langley to get a guy whose whose car had been bombarded with ice off off one of the bridges. But I explained that it's an you know it's normally a twenty minute drive. Today it's an hour, and then we have to get back here in another hour. 
that's you know realistically two hours and 20 minutes out of our day we're not going to get back here in time for the live hits so we have to sit there and say well okay how can we do this instead so okay do we do a phone interview or do we get someone else to go shoot the visuals for us and and then editing back at the station can help us drop in the black holes and well, and we were, I have to say, I, I feel like we were really lucky today because there were so many people having a tough time uh, with the driving conditions between, there wasn't, I would say, not a ton of um, snow on the roads, but it was kind of compacted. Some of it was turning to ice, uh, reduced visibility when the wind uh, was really blowing that snow. We could have easily been, um, you know, behind a car crash and stuck uh, not moving for an hour. I mean, it, it happens. As it was, we were kind of delayed for a few minutes as uh, a semi was being towed from the side of the road, but that's another thing that you got to adapt and be ready to uh maybe you're not doing a full story by the end of the day maybe you're just doing a smaller a vsv item we call it a voice um clip voice um and and it's not going to be a full story because you know stuff happens in the field you just can't control absolutely i mean we i ran into some editing problems today i, I, was able to call <laughs> I wasn't going to bring that up i'll bring it up it's, it, <laughs> we, I, I updated my system recently and there were a couple things that we hadn't uh counted on and, and luckily i was able to call pete klein one of our other shooters who he's he's up to date on everything and he walked me through a couple of troubleshooting situations and we can slam the pack together in time and, and get it fed back into the station but that's just one of those things where we adapt throughout the day and, and see what we can do if, if I couldn't do that then I was like okay what's my plan B and then what's my plan C you've always got a few options in your back pocket Finally, I just want to bring in Anne Lou because I feel like you've been abused lately. <laughs> and I feel like people complain about the forecast all the time. Oh, they said 2 p.m. Now they're saying 5. Now they're saying this and that. Give us a little bit of insight into what forecasting, <laughs> how complicated it is. Because, you know, I look at some of the computer models that you mm -hmm. look at back there. It just makes my head spin. So, so maybe give us some insight into what storm forecasting like this is like. I guess the problem, what people don't realize is models update all the time. So what I say for the noon show, today was a great example. Our models didn't show any precipitation showing up until like between 6 and 7. But then when I looked at it for the 5 o'clock show, it moved itself up between 3 and 4. And that's what we saw. So it's hard to forecast even hour by hour throughout the day, let alone two days in advance, let alone a week in advance. And people don't just want to know what's going to happen on Sunday. They want to know what's going to happen on Sunday at 4 o'clock. <laughs> and the problem is we can't tell you that. To be honest, all our systems, all the forecast models that we see two days out is even stretching it, but that's as close as we can get. Seven-day forecasts, very, very hard. Um, we do uh, show averages and a seasonal um Forecast, and that's what the computer models are doing. So if you're looking at a seven-day forecast, that necessarily is not what's going to happen, but what the averages have been for the past X amount of years. Well, and that's why, you know, we have live weather on our morning show, on our mm -hmm. new, like we have all these updates because there are changes that mm -hmm. happen. So it's not, we're not doing it for our health or no. for, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> because there are changes that happen all the time. And I guess we just notice it more in winter because yes. in the summertime, if Funny. it's 22 degrees versus 25 degrees, yeah. nobody cares. Yeah. But, you know, no snow versus five inches yeah. of snow, that's a huge difference. And the problem was, and what we saw this past Sunday, Environment Canada even admitted to it, we didn't see the system. It wasn't on our radar, literally, and Figuratively, it did not show up at all. When I was on the 5 and 6 o'clock on Friday, there was nothing to be seen on Sunday. And that is uh, 
basically two days out, it was mainly sunny skies. So this one came as a shock. So it happens all the time. Mother Nature is a force to be reckoned with, and we cannot control her. And she likes to surprise us every now and again. And I, I think for Metro Vancouver, what people have to realize we're right by the water. Mm-hmm. So just a variable of one degree changes everything for us downtown. You go up to King Edward, a little higher. We've got so many microclimates, mm-hmm. a little higher. And they're seeing snow, right? So it really depends on where you are. And that's why it's so hard for Metro Vancouver. Well, the other day, driving back from Abbotsford, I can tell you that Highway 1, mm-hmm. a difference of a couple of kilometers, yeah. literally bare roads to serious accumulation. And, and it had nothing. Conditions. And blizzard conditions. And it had nothing to do with whether they'd been plowed or not. There's just a lot of microclimates yeah. around the Portman Bridge. Yeah. Like, they actually have, um, I can't remember if it's the uh, Ministry of Highways. I, I think it might be them. They have a separate meteorologist just for that mm-hmm. area because it is a microclimate. So that just gives you a sense of how complicated our region is, just for people who yeah. may not have thought of that. Yeah. So so please be nice. Don't throw tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for your time. You're welcome. I'd also like to thank Adnan and Peter. And thank you for joining us on BTS with CTV. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover on a future podcast? Email me, bts at ctv.ca. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe for more insights, tidbits, and the stories behind the stories. I'm Penny Daflos.